Hi there, welcome to the Beard Podcast. My name is Nick Mins. Uh, this is the podcast number three, uh, and I have a good friend, Carolyn, who's come on to uh, talk to us today. Um, apologies, as the beginning of the recording seems to have just got lost, um, but I hope you enjoy. And again, please leave your comments uh, below and uh, follow me on Spotify and also on Anchor as well. Thank you very much. Three times a week because I was like, that, that is because I can't be in my own box at home any longer because that's going to end up killing me in some way. Do you know what I mean? Not as in suicide. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> just compounding everything I feel about myself and life and, you know what I mean? And, you know, like the importance of exercise, isn't it? Having a different four walls and, and all those. Yeah, I mean, I mean that I suppose that's one of the things I've struggled with with regards to, obviously, studying at uni. I haven't been on to, I think the only time I've been onto campus is to pick a textbook up. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose I can find it easier to be in a learning environment yeah, than in my own environment. Because when I'm, when I'm at home, all I'm thinking is, right, that needs doing, this needs doing, this needs doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you go to the library regular, regularly? Do you know <clears> I, I haven't, I haven't been as of yet. My wife, my wife's been a, a few times to kind of, but she's the same. She needs to kind of, she's found it difficult to kind of do, her uni work so yeah. she's kind of booked some time to go into the library to go into the actual library to do some work so she's kind of surrounded by if you like that that studying environment yeah it helps me no end I can't write an assignment at home I can touch on it I can do the planning I can look at reading lists and all of that but I cannot physically write for long periods of time because you know like you, like you say you're thinking about all the time or wash needs going in or I could be painting the kitchen or I could be like yes. <laughs> all those jobs that because we're at home more often you see all the cracks don't you? you see all the things that you could be improving on and you're like oh damn I can't just focus I need to just like yeah concentrate on one thing for a while yeah, I think that, that I mean that is one of my things as well. Is that when when I am feeling a bit overwhelmed, all I want to do is do stuff, but I won't be able to kind of sit down and do stuff because my head will be. No. I'll need to kind of fill my time with with. So it'll be like, right, I'll go do a wash. I'll do do the pots. I'll go do this. Oh, that needs sorting out. This needs sorting out. So you try and fill your time with everything, so you don't have to kind of think about what's going in in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the physical activity of just getting up and moving is is more powerful than being able to just sit down sometimes and focus your energies into academic work isn't it you know yeah yeah um, so I know that like some people said oh homework is brilliant and I think it's okay sometimes like I like the fact that I can go and pick the kids up from school do you know what I mean but I don't like the fact that I'm stuck here all day and then when the kids don't come home I'm still here like I yeah actually, yeah I actually like like even being on spring bank bought any veggies or you, you do you know what I mean or even being outside like um and go for a fag or go for a coffee with somebody or you you know like those little things that you would do maybe only a couple of times a week but they they keep you going don't they yeah so um, totally I mean I mean I've, I, I've, I am I'm 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 always quite a social person so I'm like yeah. yourself you know you like to kind of yeah. see people speak to people and, and sometimes when you you know when you kind of see people, you kind of almost forget what's going on with yeah. you as well, because you kind of get, you know, yeah, yeah. you know. Because I mean, I, I mean, like last week, I'd uh, before obviously lockdown would come into place, I'd been down to the football ground um, yeah. and I'd met up with um, one of the other managers just just for a coffee because we have a kettle down there and stuff. So we yeah. just gone and made a kettle and just had a walk around the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was good just to kind of have a little bit of a talk about something that you know. Yeah. 
oh, about football, about this, about that, you know. And it, about normal life, about real yeah. life, other than being stuck in your head. Yeah, completely. It'd be a shit place to be sometimes, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, you, you're right, you need to be engaged in someone else's stuff sometimes, don't you? Or you need to be like, just meeting with a friend. Yeah. Meeting friend is like, it's powerful. It's powerful. So, so like, what is, what's your sort of experience been with it then, Car- Carolyn? You know, like well, mental health side of things. Yeah, so, so obviously you know about my professional background. Um, like, um, I qualified as a mental health nurse in uh, 2010. Um, and, then, and then I, um, in 2014, went and trained as a health visitor. So working like with young families and stuff and, um, you know, looking after babies development and stuff like that. And then went back to nursing in the crisis team in 2018 or 2000, maybe 2017 and worked there solidly until I got this job at the university teaching mental health nursing. And that was in August. So um, that's my professional sort of side of it. But personally, I've always had issues with depression, like from being young, I because um, I think it's sort of, it's always been there since being a real young child. And my mum and dad would always have said, it was a real difficult child because you, were, you could never be really happy about anything or you could never be, uh, you know, like you were worried all of the time about stuff that didn't concern you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think like going into mental health nursing helped that because it gave me a voice to be powerful to somebody else. You know what I mean? And I could transfer some of that onto other people to make it use of it. And then I had like a serious bout of um, postnatal depression after I had boys and I got loads of paranoid thinking. I got quite um, psychotic and I didn't realise I was there. Um, I was just tired all the time. I was sleeping for about three hours a night. And then I had Joy. See, Joy's only 16 months older than the boys. So it was like having the triplets. Andy was back out to work full time. It's all that sort of stuff, being alone. I got really preoccupied with the children's safety. I thought everybody was out, out to get us. I thought um, someone's going to take the children away, either social services or a bloody paedophile or, you know what I mean? It was yeah, really, yeah. really messed up. Um, and I don't, and it's only taken me now seven years to, be able to say that was happening because I felt so scared that if they if anybody knew that that's what went on then then my cards would be marked as in social care would be around as in no one would leave me with the children as in everyone would think that I was thinking they were a threat to me you know like all those like difficult yeah things. yeah yeah and I sort of just managed it really I don't know how I got over it I think I have good friends I went on them to tell Pram and, um, and, I, and I still take that now and I've no intention of coming off that because that just keeps the lid on it you, you know um, and I do know now that when I get really under a lot of stress or I'm really tired I sometimes have some of those paranoid thoughts like um, and it's always around the kids it's always around the kids yeah, yeah. and it's and it's so classic like for me because I think because I've got this training and I can read a book about it I tend to I tend to put a lot of theory into it. I tend to think, well, oh, well, that's what so-and-so would have said, that that's projection. Or so-and-so, uh, you know, writer Freud would say that's classic because of your attachment issues as a child, so I can rationalise it. That's not helpful for everybody, but for me, that works. 
you know what I mean? Like I go, well, it's just a figment of my imagination because I'm experiencing this. this yeah, thing. yeah. And then I had health anxiety when I got diagnosed with diabetes and thought I was going to die. I was having dreams about um, like having my foot cut off, you know, diabetic foot. I was at, at all sorts of horrible stuff. And I had some CBT for that. And it seemed to be really good for me. Um, and now I'm at that point with the health stuff where I go, you've got a pain in your chest, Carolyn, because you're a bit overweight and you haven't moved for about six hours. That's, it's, you're not having a heart attack. So it's, I'm having to like tell myself that. And depending on where I am, I'm at feeling like emotionally, that works most of the time. You know what I mean? And I can just go, oh, stop it with your bloody head. Stop. Yeah. Just shut up. Just shut up and give me off an hour. You know what but, I mean? but you do find that though, don't you? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, especially when you've kind of done CBT, you start to notice that you need to break the cycle. Because, you know, yeah. for those who don't know, you know, much about health anxiety, is that it's almost like a vicious cycle. So everything yeah. feeds each other. Yeah. So, you know, unless you kind of break a behavior or you try and break in it, you know, a thought process within that. Because I mean, yeah. I, I used to have it. I used to absolutely, you know, I remember sitting in front of a doc, the doctor and just saying, I'm, I'm just scared of dying. I'm I'm yeah. I'm so petrified of of, of dying. Like yeah. all the time, it was if I had a pain in my chest or yeah, I had yeah. a pain in my back, yeah. you know, I'd be oh, I'm pain in this side. Oh, could, could this, you know? And then I'd straight away because I catastrophize everything. Yeah, I'm I'm like that as well. <laughs> so even even down to yeah, I mean I mean I, I've I've luckily I've stopped a lot of the googling, but I mean I I I literally nearly drove myself to the point of a breakdown. Yeah, early last year where. I, you know, I'd had my appendix out, I think it was 20, 2018, I had my appendix out. Yeah. I had three stays in hospital that year, and that's when all the, the health anxiety really started. Mm. But I'd, I'd looked up, because I'd, I'd, I'd had my appendix out, and, and it, it wasn't really something that affected me as much, I don't think. But it was when I started getting a pain around that sort of area, I'd looked up pain after you know, oh, appendix right. out, you know, yeah. for you. And then it's like a oh, stump appendicitis was one of the things where it can grow back and it can be worse than getting appendicitis. And I was almost convinced that, oh God, I've got this. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to die. If I leave it any longer, I'm going to die. But then there was almost a fear of going to doctors as well. But then I'd yeah. go to doctors and I wouldn't believe them. No. I believe them for the minute, you know, when they told me, oh yeah, it's all right. It's just because you've got sciatica. It's to do with all your, yeah. your muscles and stuff. So when I'd be walking home, I'd be like, oh, you know, I've, I've seen the doctor. And then straight away, that oh, it'd go, but what if he's wrong? What yeah. if he's wrong? What if he's missed something? So then I'd book another appointment, maybe three or four days later for the yeah. same thing. And I'd, I'd gone to the point where I'd been to doctors about six times in about three weeks, four weeks. Did they pick it up, Nick? Did your doctor, like, say to you, um, you know, like uh, you've been here like six times in six weeks. Yeah, did, did, did they broach it with you, or did you have to make that? It, it was it was mainly. I had one doctor say, it and I, I, I at the time I just, oh, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then it had come to the point when my wife had said, "You need to really kind of get some help with this," yeah. and she said, "I'll come with you." And I just remember sitting in front of the doctor and just saying, "I just need some help." And I ended up, and I've never really cried in front of a doctor. But I ended up just just sobbing and just said, I need some help. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I you know whatever I'm just, that is, I don't know. Yeah, whatever it is, you know, I just I just yeah. need some help. And at yeah. that time I was so resistant to to going on to any sort of medication. I yeah. just like oh, I don't I don't want to go on medication for it. But yeah, I think it, you know, it was one of them things where I thought if I go on medication, that's gonna make me weak. 
Yeah. And I've just given up. You know, I'm not fighting it. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I used to think that, um, like, a lot of the literature says, oh, that's like a real male thing in mental health. But, like, my experience of dealing with patients is that it's not just a male thing. It's like male and females get that. I mustn't do that because everyone around me just says, you know, like past generations say, just suck it up. You know, we've been for a war and I'm fine type thing you know you you listen you absorb all those comments don't you yeah you yeah all of that and you don't even know you're absorbing it you don't even know you're absorbing it until until it happens to you and then you go shit if i what if i take this medication and like you say i'm on it for the rest of my life and what if i turn into a, a, a vegetable or what if i you know i can't possibly tell anybody about this because then they'll see me as like being delicate they won't treat me the same as they always have done so it's all those things that you think about isn't it yeah, I, I I was one of those where I didn't want to tell people because I didn't no. want their perception of of of, of me to change. Yeah, you know, like, oh God, is he safe? Is he safe to be part of the football team? Yeah, totally, to- absolutely. Can he come out for a drink with us? Can he drink? You know what I mean? Can he? Do- it's like that. Or do we ask or not? And I think you're right because because people do worry. And so a lot of the, most of the time, I say ninety percent of the time, it's it's good intentions. Are they concerned? But the ten percent will be running on what they think they know about mental illness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and they'll be stigmatising it and they'll be limiting your abilities, you know what I mean? Even though you're not limited, you know. Yeah, I said, because, you know, I think it's that sometimes it's what people have a preconception of yeah. of mental health to be like. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I remember having a discussion with, with a, you know, there was a, it was a, an old bosser man. And we were talking about, another gentleman was going through some stuff and I was already kind of really struggling at that time. I was, you know, and I hadn't told work what was going on. I, I just kind of, it was just, you know, you kind of put your front on and you go to work. Yeah. And I remember once he, he, you know, he said something like, um, I was, I was at that time where I was just ready to tell him. And he said, Oh, so-and-so has been off work. You know, he's, he's had a, what you call it, bloody fruit loop and all this lot. And do you know, when like, when that happened, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say not now. And then it was almost like I just withdrew straight away again. It was like, right, I can't I can't say nothing now. I've got to withdraw again. I've yeah, just yeah. got to go backwards. And whether or not, you know, when I kind of look back, it was probably because I was in that place that, you know, normally I'd just be like, whatever. Where but I think when you're in that, when you're in that kind of state, yeah. anybody's sort of saying something that they kind of see is just, you know, that he probably didn't mean it like that, but just the way it came out, it was just yeah, at that time I just kind of thought, of, "Oh God, I'm not going to open up because that's what they'll think of me." So yeah, I'm not going to say a thing yeah. now. And it's not necessarily that he's got any stigma that he knows about conscious stigma about mental health. It's just the language he's used in it that makes you then just feel you're not valid. Like actually, what I'm going to tell you now might mean that you see me as an invalid or you see me as an as not a complimented person. Yeah, but yeah. It was like you safeguard yourself, don't you? Like, go, well, that's it, can't tell you. <laughs> can't tell you, I can't do this, I can't do that. I think, like, for me, because I've had it so long, now I feel like it's part, I, this is me, this is my personality. I sometimes get really preoccupied with, oh, I'm a shit person, I'm a shit person, I'm a shit person, oh, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. What I have to tell myself in that time is, you've been here before and you'll come out of it. What could be affecting you now? What's going on in your life that could possibly mean that your brain is opening some of those thoughts again? You know, like, and sometimes for me, it's when I'm not, when I'm not um, 
when my time management is poor you know what I mean or when I feel like I'm on the back foot and I'm chasing and yeah I'm yeah like, that type of thing the other thing which you won't get as a man is like uh, menstrual cycle periods you know like and the influx of hormones and how that knocks me and I have to remember like it's only going to last a few days because your period's going on this isn't a real depressive episode this is it's real at the time but it ain't going to be prolonged it's because I've got a period or because I've got uh stuff going on that I don't know the answers to usually you know what I'm saying yeah yeah uh, you know and I've had people say Caroline you're a perfectionist I've had other people say Caroline you, you like to be in control all the time but I know that that's because it's a safety net for me to stop me feeling out of control because yeah I feel out of control my mind gets out of control you know what I mean so then it's like <laughs> I've got to put that those safety nets in place and if I don't then it then it sort of you know just spirals quite quickly for me yeah I mean I mean that but you know the perfectionist things come up in when we've been going through counseling that that's actually come up for me yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, especially me, when, when I find it, you know, people go, oh, you're a perfectionist. I'm like, I'm, I'm not by any stretch. <laughs> but I think it's because I always, I had that that kind of preconception that if you're a perfectionist, you want everything to be absolutely per- perfect. Yeah. But it isn't. It, it's it's because you kind of always feel like you can't do enough. I mean, that that's one of my biggest, my biggest things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't have a great self, like self-esteem. Yeah. I, I'm almost quite self-loathing at times with myself. Yeah. Um, but I always kind of, as soon as I, I do something, I always think you maybe could have done more. How, how could you have done more that time? Yeah, if only you'd have done that. Why didn't you say that? Why didn't you do this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the constant second guessing. There's all there's always so many whys, and yeah. you could have done this, and yeah, 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 completely. Which is why I think sometimes like reading helps me. You know, um, I read a lot. Not not in depth but i'll read just enough of what i want to find out about so if it's about a certain type of mental health intervention or a certain theory an older theory about psychoanalysis you know like cbt or something and and that helps to remind me like oh yeah so that is what i'm doing like okay so now i know what i'm doing i can i can break that little chain it might not be broken forever but for now it's broken yeah yeah and i think that's what cbt does isn't it it just breaks those little cycles yeah Helps you to recognise like the stages that you get into before you get to crisis point. I've yeah. I've definitely found that with with a health anxiety, and I mean I, I actually had uh, um last year no not last year but I keep I keep thinking I'm still in 2020 for some reason. Oh, it just, uh, just feels like it feel like you're just in 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 a kind of continuous loop, don't you? Yeah. 2019 I 2019 I had some um some CBT, but I think at the time I just it was almost like this won't work this yeah. won't work and I'd almost dismissed it before it actually started but I think that's just where I was at that time yeah, yeah. so although I had I think it was three months four months of that I, I kind of come out of it and it was almost like I didn't take any of it on whatsoever because I just think at that time I wasn't ready to accept what was you going too, on yeah you were too engrossed in in what was happening for you at the time you weren't thinking cognitively because your mind wasn't settled enough for you to undertake that successfully that's why sometimes I think CBT doesn't work because we're not, because we tend to, we tend to like, um, you know, recommend it or refer people into CBT quite crudely, I think. So we don't think about actually cognitively, where is that person at? Are they able to retain information? Because if you're not able to retain information, you, you, you're not going to get any success on CBT. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. 
period of like counselling almost first before you get to CBT, you know, like a period of assessment or support that's lower than CBT to get you ready sometimes, I think. Um, and and um, right, we always just say, oh yeah, CBT will do this, CBT will do that, it's a catch-all for this, it's a catch-all for that, you know. But when it's done right, like your experience, second time round, you know what I mean? It's different, isn't it? Because you're in a different place mentally. Like you've been through it once, you can look back and go, well, wait a minute, I, I was different then. Yeah, yeah. It might work for this now. I'm, a, I'm in a lot more of a reflective place mentally. You know what I mean? I can see what I need to do. Whereas before you probably couldn't because you were just in the throes of, of, of anxiety. And that's a really scary, chaotic place to be, I think. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I, as I say, I mean, I was, you see, when, when I kind of compare the two times that I've had CBT, back then I was, all, I, at times I'd, I'd turn to my wife and just say, I just want someone to talk to. Yeah. I, I just want someone to talk to. And, it, and it's not that, I say, I mean, my wife's been brilliant. You know, she she says yeah. everything, you know, I say, and she's brilliant. But sometimes it's my thing of, I don't want to burden them with yeah. what I'm going through. You kind of do feel like a burden. Yeah. But I think the difference this time around is just before I started the CBT, I'd had eight sessions of counselling. Yes. So I'd had the counselling to kind of get everything off my chest and share the things. And then when it comes to the CBT, I was actually ready you, to kind you, of be like, much here more we go. Focused place, wasn't it? More yeah. stable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that's really interesting you say that because I don't think we do that enough. And I, I don't, in mental health nursing, I think we need to be more aware that when CBT fails, it might be not because that person isn't just engaging. It might be because they can't engage, because they cannot focus. They cannot take on board what the CBT is offering. So it's interesting that you've had counselling first, and I think that's probably been really good for you, hasn't it? Probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even down to like, you know, obviously when you get CBT, you're given a bit of homework to do so you'll have like thought records and you'll have you know um your activity records and your mood kind of records and stuff i had them back then and i'd almost take them home and and i put them in a folder and they just stay on the side because i was like i don't want to i don't want to write down what's going on i don't want to see it i don't want to be you know learning about what's going on in my head i just don't but because i've been able to kind of talk about when it came down to this it's like yeah i want to I want to actually learn how to break this. I want to, because yeah. it was almost like, I suppose people say you have to reach rock bottom so you can build yourself back up. And I mean, at the beginning of last year, I felt like I'd, I'd reached that point. Yeah. So I think it was like, it was almost like my body was, you know, I'm a man was saying, right, enough's enough. You need to like stop it. Yeah. And you need to kind of get some proper help really. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, that thing of like when we we because we promote that quite a lot in society. When you've hit rock bottom, you're only ready to come back up. But then on the other side, we're saying to people, recognise it before you get to rock yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we contradictory in what we're telling people. So I think it's really confusing, you know, because I was like I sort of say to my students, I carry on a lot of my how I deal with crisis patients, how I manage their anxieties at university, you know, and I say don't wait for a crisis to contact me for supervision don't wait for rock bottom don't don't yeah don't, yeah don't get yourself to the point where you're going right that's it i'm leaving the course don't don't get to that point if you start to feel it come and talk and we can have a little explore about what's going on for you you know what i mean yeah you don't get to that point but then it's um 
but then we're also saying at the same time like yeah you need to get to the bottom you know you need you need to feel it to be able to like get out of it and it's sort of we don't make any sense in mental health do we really no i, I mean it's a, i suppose it's how I suppose it's how people recognise that yeah, they've hit rock bottom as well, because yeah. some some people just might just think, oh well, this is just a no. I mean, I did for years, just think, oh, it's just a phase. It'll yeah, go, yeah. it'll go, and it and yeah. it just didn't. It didn't, yeah. and you know, I'm I'd like, always try and push it to yeah. the back of my head and just get on with it. Yeah, I suppose you have to understand like what what does rock bottom look like for you, isn't it? Because um, I'll obviously doing the job that I've done. I've worked with lots of people, but their baseline is rock bottom. You, you, all you're doing is supporting that person through life. You're never, you know, with the best will in the world, they're never going to be in full-time employment. They're never going to be mums and dads. They're never going to have, like, a life that is, like, what we would say productive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But other people who go, um, like, my rock bottom is, like, um, I feel like if I hit rock bottom, I would never come back up and I would lose everything. And sometimes that's powerful because then, you can show to people like what would happen then if you lost your your family because of this or your job because of this or so there are things that are worth um keeping hold of there's work things that are worth preserving like families like jobs like uh football or sport or interactions with other people those are like i suppose what we call protective factors you know but only if we only if we say it well to people if we tell people you've got oh you've got protective factors what does that mean you know it's like you or anybody else yeah. what does that actually mean like you know you can't you know that's sort of psychiatry speak isn't it really yeah as soon as as soon as my uh, my account as soon as the kind of counselor said uh you know, have you had a perfectionist? And straight away, I was like, I'm not perfect, right? <laughs> and I don't, I don't seek perfection. But as I say, it was because then I'd again, it's because I'd kind of thought that's what that must mean. Because when you yeah. wear perfect, that oh, you just yeah. you wear that, you know, and you think, oh yeah, I just want yeah. everything to be perfect. And it's, yeah. but it's just kind of like that. Is it the orthodox of it? Like it's not, it it's not always about. It's about seeking kind of a. Because that was a waste to put it. Especially for me, when I when I look at it, is it's is it's you're never happy with anything that you do, yeah. And you just want it to be, and it's not like you want it to be the best. It's just it yeah. just doesn't seem good enough to you, yeah. So you're kind of yeah. always pushing for your perfection. It's not perfection is what everybody else sees. What you yeah. see as 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 a perfect. But I but suppose comparing yourself to lots of other things doesn't help, does it? Sometimes as well when you're in that mind, like mm. you know, like how people sort of. Um, use Instagram they're always showing their best life on Instagram yeah and I think now you're dying inside like everybody else you, you know it's easy I know how to take a photo to make it look like it's been a, a photographer doing it like you or I would you know that if you took a photo in your house you could make it look like it come from home and gardens but if you look this side of the lens the other side you see all the washing piled up and the yeah yeah you know what I mean and I think we forget that when people take when people take to social media with their best life, we compare ourselves. We go, well, they're doing it, so why aren't I? That why aren't I able to go on holiday four times a year? You know what I mean? Why aren't I able to do this? It must mean that I'm not succeeding in life, and then everything I do is not as good as them. And then you know, like you say, you come up to that thing of like, 
I can't, I'm never going to be perfect. Shit, I need to try harder. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah, you just kind of like don't because yeah. I suppose the, the secret is there is just try not to compare yourself to other yeah, people. Do you know? Because yeah. I mean, I've I've done it where I've got my uni my uni marks back. And, you know, we have a WhatsApp group and we kind of keep in touch. And they're, you know, I've had a couple of them say that they've got like really, really good marks. It's amazing. But then like, I'll go, oh, I didn't get that good. And then I'm, and then straight away, it's like, why and I got that good? Right. I've got, I've got to get better, you know? And it's, it's like, you kind of feel like you straight away, as soon as they figured it, I felt like I'd failed. Yeah. But, oh, it's a failure. Even though it's past the pass mark, way past (laughs) the pass mark. I've straight away gone, oh, but I didn't get, you know. Yeah. That's not, and it isn't because I want to be the best in the group. It's because that, in my head, it, it kind of clicks straight away. Like, oh well, why didn't why didn't I get that that good? Yeah. What did what did I do wrong? What did I? And it's almost like right, I need to find out yeah. why. And it's just, yeah. you know, and a certain amount of that talking to yourself in that way can be really useful, can't it? Because it helps you to improve. But then when it becomes when it becomes like you say that self loathing thing, you know, when it when it tips over into that, well, I'm not good enough, so therefore I'm shit. That's when it becomes the issue, isn't it? Because we need a bit of feedback to say, all right, you only got 45% on a, on your pass mark or whatever, you know, at uni, and somebody else got 70. Like you think, oh, okay, right, well, next time I know what I need to do. I'll take the feedback and I'll do it. But then when it starts to tip in, thinking over into your mind that, well, I can't do that, well, they're all doing it. Why can't I do that? Yeah. And then you start the that, that is how it, then constant it... thought. It, it detracts you from doing better in the first place. <laughs> you I suppose really... then it starts another another sort of vicious yeah, cycle as well, doesn't it? You yeah. know. And then when you come to do your next assignment, you go, I'm frozen. Shit, what if I don't get it right? And then those thoughts come back again. So it's like it's never ends. <laughs> it, 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 it does sometimes feel like it never ends. Yeah, can be. I mean, I had a really good piece of advice from a senior lecturer at the university of day she's she's a uh, doctor of research and she was saying you're going to get knocked down carolyn she was like and i said how do you manage it when you get a publication that's refused you know what i mean when they, they say now nah, we don't want what you've written now nah, we we're not interested in that and she said it you always feel a bit gutted but you just keep trying because you get this you have to get this urge into you where you go you've got to be thick-skinned you've got to, it's not you it's them yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not what you've done. It's just that maybe you haven't presented it in the way that they've wanted it to do. So, so what you've done is great, but it doesn't fit what their idea of it is. So you go to another journal or you go to someone else or you seek advice from here or you write a blog or you do this or do that. Um, and she said, the only way you get used to it is by doing it. She said, if you avoid it, you never do it. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Actually, like, just, just put it out there. Put what you want out there. See what happens. If you offend somebody, you offend somebody. I can't take that away. As long as you sort of stick with the sort of, you know, not venturing into anything too right wing or... Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where you could really hurt someone's feelings. Like, really, what what have I got to lose? You know, and it's that thing of, I've got a lot to lose if I don't just action it, if I don't just be the person that I want to be. Yeah. if I just sit here I could lose my job or if I just sit here and get if I allow myself that too much time to be wallowing or too much time to be um in my own headspace there's a lot of risk in there and and that's what you find like you've still got bills to pay still got a family to look after who who look at you as a dad and a husband you know what I mean you still got all those responsibilities it's how you manage all that that can be really 
tricky, I think, when you've got anxiety and depression. <laughs> yeah, de definitely in the way that you kind of, I suppose, I mean, I've, I've found, especially when you, when you, when you catastrophize everything, like, so say, say for example, if we'll get, you know, in the past we've had things from like, um, your council tax was late yeah. payment and thingy, straight away, I'll immediately jump to, right, we're going to get evicted, you know, you always, <laughs> but you always kind of go to the worst case scenario and yeah. I've always done that. Yeah. I've always done that to kind of prepare myself for the yeah. worst, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if anything less than the worst happens, I'm all right. That, that's <laughs> how I've always seen it. Yeah, no, completely, yeah. But I think sometimes then that comes from our like parents and our upbringing, in it is like we say things to our kids, and I, I like we've had said to us, "There's people worse off than you," um, and you know, if you don't expect anything too much, you'll be happy with what you've got. Yeah, you know, like yeah. those sorts of things of like, don't set your standards too high. Or, or sometimes people set their standards or told to set their standards high and then fail and then don't know why what, what's gone on. So we're like, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. <laughs> yeah, com com completely though. And I, and I suppose that's a society thing as well, isn't it? You know, and like you say, it's, it's things like platforms like social media can be yeah. amazing, but yeah. then also there can be a bit of a curse because you always yeah. get the kind of trolls on there who want to write all yeah. these things and... Yeah, and I think, like, for me, social media, I'm really sensitive about it. So, because um, I know that I can be a bit, um, I can, you know, like, I'll put on Twitter something about the government and the, talk about slapping fees, and then I go into a big rant, you know, um, and then I think, oh, shit, why did I do that? What if someone pulls me up on that? What if, you know, and I have to reread re re it about 500 times. Yeah, before, to make sure that, yeah. Make sure that I've covered all bases, like, so if somebody thinks this, then possibly I could argue it or put a counter argument together to say that I wasn't saying that, but I was saying this, you know. And I, that, that's why I don't have things like Facebook and Instagram because people put stuff up there that I don't like. You know, like I was on Facebook once and then people started posting stuff up about Britain First and all of that that were friends with me. And I just thought, I have to delete your Facebook now because I can't listen to this shit. It doesn't fit with what I want. I don't want to hear about your racist stuff. I don't want to hear about that. And actually, I never knew that about you. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I never knew that, that you felt that way about immigration. You know, like, topics that matter to me. Um, so I just came off Facebook because I just thought, I'm not listening to this anymore. And then, of course, you get your other side to it of, like, people, like, selling their best life all the time. And then that makes you feel shit. Like, I think, well, I'm just here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just me, really. <laughs> Can't compete with that. So... So I think like, yeah, like I like what you're saying, but for me, sensitively, I can't do Facebook, can't do Instagram. I do Twitter for work because there's there's loads of blogs that I follow, mental health blogs and treatment blogs and things like that. Um, but that's as far as I dip my toes in because I have enough issues when I put something on Twitter. I know how it makes me feel for an hour afterwards. I think, oh God, is someone going to complain about me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been me. No, so I've got to be real careful. So I just don't, I just don't do it at all. I mean, I mean, I used to be, I used to be really active on Facebook, and in in the fact that I used to kind of put do posts every day, and you know, this has happened, and it just got to the point where I don't, I just, I was like, it, it almost kind of come from, I was quite secretive about, I, I, I don't want to put how I'm feeling, uh, but you know, to yeah. be honest with you, who's gonna care? Yeah, like what I've had for tea, you know, who's yeah, gonna yeah. care? Like, like when you know and. I can't, I understand why people do it sometimes. I do, yeah. but I do. I and I think the people that do it well, 
don't have a mind like you or I in some way. They've probably never had serious depression or anxiety that causes them to think overtly too much about what they've written or what they're thinking. You know, like people that I admire people that can just go on every day and just do that. And they are living their best life. And it's like, da -da -da, you know, I've had this to see, like you say, this to see, that to see, I've got a new garage or I've done this that, and the other. In some ways, it's like I admire them because they can continue doing it without having all of the afterthought about shit, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, what have I said now? And now it's out there for the ether. It's out there, it's out there. And it's and also, like you say about asking for help online, that can be really negative because you know, I've I've had people, I've, I've worked with people that um, you know, have told their friends on Facebook that they're going to commit suicide. And I think what what help can they give you apart from panic you know if you were to read that about a friend you would go into panic mode you would like go oh my god what the fuck can i do and it's the aftermath of that i think you know of like when you put something on there so sensitive it's the aftermath of how it affects everybody else and actually you're still not getting what you need from that statement that you've made or whatever you know, yeah yeah you still not got the help that you need you still not got the support your thinking hasn't moved on, you're still in crisis, you know, and um, I worry about that when people put too much on there. And I suppose it's that thing of, um, you know, like, did your mum ever say, don't air your dirty laundry in public? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think when, what that actually means is that, you know, if you take it as, as a concept or like a theory, um, don't air your dirty laundry in public because what are your avenues for support with that? What are you hoping to get back from that that's going to help you clean that laundry? Yeah, yeah. What are you, what, you know, and it's about that thinking, isn't it, before you put it on there? You know, like, what what purpose will this give me? What, is it going to help me? If it's not going to help me, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's different, isn't it? If you're not, you might message a friend privately on Facebook, or you've only got a Facebook contact, go, all right, mate, you want to go out? I'm feeling a bit shit at the minute. That's different, isn't it, than going, to all of the world, whoever can see it, I'm going to commit suicide. Or I feel so shit, I'm going to commit suicide. And I think it has a knock-on effect to everybody else who, who hears that, who sees that, you know, whether they know you or not, it's distressing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I've been thinking about doing this, this sort of, you know, this podcast for a while, um, but it was, I think, for, I think for me, it was kind of, if, if I open myself up to everybody and I kind of put out there what's yeah. going on with me is it's how people are going to then react to that mm. and how people are then going to see me. And mm. I mean, to be honest with you, I've been really, really kind of taken back by how, how, my, how many people have been in touch with me to say, do you know what we've actually, you know, we can really, you know, recognize what you're going through. Yeah. It's because the podcast is a good place to talk about stuff like this. Because it, it, you know, it sort of says this is what it, this is about. If you then have a choice to listen to it, you yeah, know exactly, I mean? yeah, uh, you, you know, know and choice, you know what it's about. You don't have to listen to it, and um, you know, hopefully you won't get any trolls. I shouldn't imagine that you would, but there's always going to be one arsehole out there that might want to just be an arsehole. But it's about mm. them, not you. Well, it's uh, about I've, I've, you know, any anything like that, I'd just get taken down straight away. I won't even, course, I won't even yeah. bother reading it. It'd just be like, bing, off you go. Yeah, but like you say, it sounds like you've had some good feedback so far. Yeah, I see it. Uh, Pete, I see it. I mean, the majority of people have been like, I can't even believe 
that you're going through this won't even 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 have known. And I mean, even I'd even had my my cousin. I mean, she she's struggled with uh, with stuff as well with like anxiety and, and a bit of depression. Yeah. And when she listened to the podcast, she's actually said, "I didn't even I, I know you'd gone through some stuff, but I didn't actually realise how bad it had, yeah. you know, and how long you've been thinking for it." Yeah. But I think it's just I've always had this thing of I've I've just got to get on with it. I've got to get on. It's just, just put that to the back. I've got to get on. And you kind of always keep plodding forward and going forward and going forward. But then you reach a point where you hit that brick wall and then you can't go any further forward because yeah. now it's like, you've got to, you've got to do something about this because you can't break through this one. Of course. Yeah. So is it, would it, where is your podcast located, Nick? Where can I get a hold of it other than Facebook? So I'm not on Facebook. Can I, cause I've got like podcast addicts and you know, like things where I can download, I mean, at the minute, I've, at the moment, it's on. It's just on Facebook, but I am looking at adding it to like a podcast platform. But what I can do is I'll just keep sending you them through email, Carolyn. Yeah, that's great. Because would you mind if I shared them with the students? No, no, no. Because what I need is a podcast platform, so then I can put it on Twitter and then I can upload it onto their their student page and say, "Give this a listen." You know. Just yeah, to- I say absolutely. Yeah, to share it with 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 you know whoever really. Do you know, I just kind of thought it's out there now. You know, I, I, and I, I suppose the way the way I thought about it is, if if I if I'm willing to share what's going on with me and how I'm feeling, it might just give someone who's in that similar sort of position a chance yeah. to go. I'm feeling that maybe I should maybe kind of look for a little bit of help. You know, or and maybe I, I should well, speak about it. Yeah, and I think because you have so much involvement with the grassroots FA because you're a footballer and a white male. There's not many of you talking about what's going on for you. You know what I mean? So it might be that the people that are affected most positively are people like you. Who yeah. Think, oh, well, you know what I mean? And like, I'm only, I mean, that's in terms of like, well, in theory, you know what I mean? Like you think about the people that are right doing podcasts. The reason we've got so many is because we're all so bloody different and what 